Welcome to Sync Ratios. This is Sync Ratios episode 16. This is ben I said, Collins. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Ben Collins. I'm Luke Piotrowski. And yeah, what a fucking episode. This is In Sickness Unto Death and Ellipses. This is our second episode title with ellipses in a, uh-huh. or ellipsis. How do you, how do you, I say ellipses. Ellips, that's what I'd always said, but then on hearing myself say it. I yeah, wish. it probably goes either way. Uh, AKA splitting of the breast, which I want to talk about both of these episode titles. The, yeah. The English and the Japanese translation, because they're both references to like, um, philosophy and existentialism specifically. So. <laughs> yeah. Not surprising considering, uh, this episode and the contents therein which yeah. you know which was first broadcast yeah. <laughs> on um january 17th 1996 so we're getting into good lord you know, the next year this is a script by hiroshi yamaguchi and hideaki ano director kazuya tsuramaki oh of course uh-huh. and uh yeah so sorry i cut no, you off no, no. I wanted to make sure we mentioned those things yeah i mean this this episode like I didn't remember the full contents when we started it, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna, I mean, it. around this time when I saw this first, I was, you know, a teenager and I was probably reading Kafka and like, you know, <laughs> like, like I was reading some of the sort of beginner existentialist kind of stuff that, you know, as, as you do at that age, I think for a lot of people, but I do think that this, it starts to get into some of the first real you know, or first, you know, version of kind of existentialism that that was able to be real understandable to me in terms of like, I mean, I remember you well, and I having t- these conversations. Totally allegorical, like you know, it's this is probably the like, well, I guess philosophy does have these, you know, from Plato and stuff with allegory, but you know, just having stories and stories that I care about presenting these ideas it's like you know what the matrix did for a lot of people too it's yeah, like yeah. you know it's it's one thing to sort of read a philosophy book or somebody try to explain these things to you but when you're oh that this is a key to helping me understand this piece of popular culture that i'm enamored mm-hmm. with that's a way to get so when things like you know like lost is another one that sort of like would mm-hmm. flirt with things like oh this john locke's philosophy must be important i gotta read up on who that is i gotta read up on Rousseau yeah. and like yeah. what what is their thing and so it is interesting how certain pieces of pop culture will do that but this is one of the ones like i think you know like a lot of the lost stuff it's you know relevant but kind of just you know for flavor and this mm-hmm. is like straight up digging into some philosophical concepts and you know having it sort of be directly <laughs> explained to Shinji. Well, and and you know, I mean, I got to say like in a really I mean, it's, you know, we're 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 watching this, it's translated, you know, it's 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 reaching across the the globe as it were to, you know, I mean, you know, existentialism is a lot of European ideas that are now being sort of filtered through a Japanese pop culture sensibility translated and imported into America for, you know, mm-hmm. us as teenagers to see and I I got to say for all of that, all the steps in between there it's a clear communication of some stuff that like, I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, you know, if you've reached your thirties, you've probably had some of these conversations. I don't think that this is like, but at the same time, it's still, you know, it's interesting it's stuff that, a, you know, it finds you when it finds you. And encapsulation this is a good one. Mm-hmm. of that stuff. And I think I talked about it before that like every paper I wrote in college is sort of influenced by a lot of the stuff and a lot of it from, from this episode of how you yeah. define yourself, but, but also, I've always been very taken with and was really bowled over by the idea at the time that I watched this that 
the disparity between the you that exists in your head and yep. the you that exists in the head of everybody that you interact with. And that those are all different from the actual you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even your own perception of yourself is, you know, is that any more, va- is your perception of me, is Ben, is the Luke in Ben's head any more valid than the Luke in Luke's head? I mean, you know, and I think that I, each is a true version it is and yet at the same time you know i i do as i've gotten older sometimes i do kind of think that the external one has a greater sense of truth i, I think that mm-hmm. like there's very like the sort of you know uh i mean body dysmorphia is a very specific physical thing that you know people right. understand these days but but a sort of existential the personhood dysmorphia you know being a sort of sense that like I, you know you can be as self-aware as possible but probably still be missing big aspects of what other people perceive you Deluding as. And, you know, we can go into that stuff as long as we well, want. Well, I, the, think, I uh, mean, I did the sickness unto death is Kierkegaard. Yes. Um, and I don't know how much you know about that. I, I've not... read some Kierkegaard and I was around this time as well. Um, it's sort of like the entry level philosophy, not to say that it's cheap because it's actually really dense and difficult to process. But <laughs> when you, when you were raised in any sort of, uh, uh, Christian, yeah, it's Christian It's kind of where you you start the... first because it comes out of that, and, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's it's in it's written in 1849, and it it comes from Gospel of John, where we're talking about Lazarus, mm-hmm. and uh, Jesus says this sickness is not unto death, you know, because he raises the guy from the dead. But what Kierkegaard's sort of getting at, and I'm gonna sort of do you know, yeah, my, my lazy go, go for Wikipedia, it. like you know, please, I, I, I'm no expert in this stuff at all. I just you know sort of wanted to look up, I, you know, where the title came from and how that relates to what we're talking about here. But sort of, he was positing that yeah, for, for Christians, death is is not the end. Mm-hmm. So the sick, the real sickness unto death, you know, death is nothing to fear. The real thing to fear is a spiritual death which comes from not embracing one's self, mm-hmm. one's true self. And he goes on to talk about despair and defining despair that you're as an individual, you are in despair if you can't align yourself with God or God's plan for yourself. And that's sure, how you sure. lose yourself. And he goes into those three different kinds of despair. Um, that's a little, I don't want to, you know, risk trying to explain it uh, <laughs> in, in any great depth. No, but, go for it. Yeah. You know, con- c- conscious despair and like sort of being right with God and being aware that you are in love with God is some of the stuff that you were talking about Mm -hmm. and that just like different levels of awareness of the self and that like sort of a hierarchy of different types of despair that are born out of ignorance, um, Mm -hmm. born out of a rejection or a, or a decision, like an awareness of the infinite because he defines humanity a lot as the tension between the finite and the infinite. And uh-huh. that's constantly what we're sort of wrestling with. And, you know, the idea of God and man and the relationship between the two. And there are there are people that are, like, unaware of it and are sort of despairing because of that. There are people that are aware of the infinite but choose to live in the mm-hmm. immediate and the finite and reject the other things because they can't. So we were actually at a, mm-hmm. at a meeting today <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Greg was talking about this. Um you know the the inability to you know acknowledge the void or whatever, and so the the choice to to just not look there, mm-hmm. and that being sort of you know separate from God, and then sort of a final a final stage, um, 
which I'm not entirely clear on, but sort of like uh, bad bad faith. Um, Interesting. I mean, we should you know look into it more and talk about it because I think this it's gonna it's this, not just this episode. Yeah, this it's is not this just is, this episode title. This like is some the of relevant these are, themes that are gonna be continuing, and this is you know I mean every episode at this point is kind of getting deeper into the rabbit hole of what makes the show unique, right. and this is a big well, like God's in His heaven, all's right yeah. with the world is kind of a throwaway reference of like yeah okay it's about this it's from this this play it's mm-hmm. from this poem fine but this is an important. Uh, reference that kind of, le- you know, talks about the themes in this episode, but also beyond. Well, and I wonder how, the, you know, connected those two things are. And I mean, it's, it's yeah, there's a lot there. And I think we'll, we will unpack it more, um, but continue to talk about the, so that was the one reference that we went yes. depth on. And then the other title is Splitting of the Breast, which refers to a psychology concept of splitting which is a, the failure in a person's thinking to bring together the dichotomy of both positive and negative qualities of the self and others into a cohesive and realistic whole. Interesting. This is kind of a defense mechanism where you get into these like really binary thinking yeah, of, yeah. I'm all bad, everything I do is bad, yeah. or this person is so great, and everything they do is great, and they can't do anything wrong, and that people with... Um, sort of personality disorders, like borderline, borderline personality is disorder... Big, yeah, it's a big one, yeah. You fluctuate between those extremes and that's why it's so upsetting when like the person that you have decided is purely good does something bad and so okay no that person's now purely bad and you can't yeah accept it as a whole and it comes from like splitting of the breast refers to like an infant's inability to it's like there's the good part of the parents and the bad part of the parents and those mm-hmm. two things are not the same thing this one's just good and this one's just bad which is i mean god you i mean that concept alone is so relevant in culture right now and i think that you know if i'm gonna get a little bit like uh lofty here and say that i think that you know while yeah i mean people with personality disorders are gonna specifically struggle with that vacillation and i've i've you know experienced that in my life or whatever but i think that it's also kind of we're in a weird cultural moment where everyone kind of has a hard time with this to some degree. And, and I think that one of the value of TV shows, I mean, we're recording this on the Tuesday, two days after the end of game of Thrones. <laughs> and, you know, I think that game of Thrones is a relevant television show to talk about in comparison to Evangelion. And I think, you know, I think I made a joke about it uh, on the last episode about how I think, you know, Evangelion probably tops game of thrones as far as some of the crazy shit that it does and that you know that mm-hmm. could could uh, upset fans and stuff but all that to say that like i do think one of the healthy qualities of television in particular as separate from movies um and to some degree books although it's more related to to literature in that way is that i think it is a safe place for people to try to recover from that sense of di- that dichotomy because it's like in real life you know, there are consequences on us when somebody that we think is good does something that doesn't track with that and we get hurt by it, whether emotionally at a distance because we admire somebody or up close because it's somebody in a, that you have a personal relationship with. Mm. It's very difficult. And I think television and, and Game of Thrones and Evangelion are two really good examples of this are shows that allow a safe version of a relationship with a character <laughs> who you can like and then question some of their choices or be disappointed by them. You cannot like and grow to like them or appreciate what makes them unique and stuff. And I think, you know, I've spent a lot of my life talking about why I think movies are 
a healthier medium in certain senses, and I do think that there are uh-huh. qualities that movies have that uh, you know the, the quality of endings and and a sort of way to get your hands around a narrative and and you know there's a therapeutic aspect of that. I do think in terms of that specific issue uh, of of you know people being all good or all bad and our inability to sort of reconcile the fact that everybody is kind of both. I think TV is really good for that, and I think this this show uh, you know. Which if you is, if you if you look at things that way with this binary perspective, this is going to be a very hard show for you to watch because well, people make choices that you really wish they wouldn't do on every. Most on shows are, and that's why I sort of am always a big proponent of look. You know, bad bad writing exists, but I don't think that that's ever the first thing that you should jump to when you are bothered by something that happens narratively. And so there's all sorts of you know yeah, that's the, whole the that's the cop out spectrum that of yeah. of writing from good to bad and everything in between. But I I am always most interested in putting that aside and pretending for the moment that, well, this is the reality. And we talked about this at the beginning with regards to Evangelion and that it was always about, I'm going to meet the text where it is and try to understand it based on what I've been given. So if somebody makes a choice that I don't like, rather than reject it as this didn't happen or this shouldn't have happened, I try to understand, given the text, why it happened and why did the character mm-hmm. make this choice and how can I continue to sympathize with them? Is there any way, given the pieces mm-hmm. here, you know, like you watch Asuka and she behaves a certain way. It's like, okay, I want to take it all in and she's being mean to Shinji, but is there some way that I can understand why she's choosing to be mean to Shinji? And what does that mean about her? What do I understand about her? And is there a way for me to have sympathy, even if my you know greater sympathy for the person being bullied can I find a way to understand the tragedy of the bully? And so, yeah, it's just analyzing it. And obviously the author is part of it and the, the greater so, you know, societal context that we talk about all the time of, is this popular in Japan? Yeah, what's the, yeah. the, what's this like in Japan? But just devoid of that meeting the characters where they are, they're doing these things. And, you know, I'm also, I don't want to give spoilers for game of Thrones here, but it, you know, it's, I'm always interested in sort of just taking what's there and seeing what of the pieces that I've actually been given in the puzzle? How can I arrange them? Yeah, I think I in, mean, in a way that makes sense you to know, me without no, adding pieces of my own or or throwing pieces away. Well, yeah, and in, in in you know we're not lecturing, we're not you know anybody in particular not or anything. Lecturing a little bit, but a little bit. But I I do I but I I agree with you in in obviously I agree with you. But like I do think that that jumping to bad writing or bad storytelling or they should have done this is cheating yourself out of that exact, I think, psychological benefit that television has. Because if you didn't think right, about turning it into author, us versus yeah. them, you're with us or against us. Well, it, and, just, and just saying, like you're saying, it's like ra- instead of, you know, something, look, at the end of the day, something can be bad writing. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is indeed splitting and it leads to depression. Yeah, and I, th- I think that, like, if you can take something for what it is and try to explore, you know, your feelings about treating the characters like they are, people and and actually sort of like don't just knee jerk your way out of I didn't like that I wish that hadn't happened it should have happened like this instead it'd be great if everybody liked each other or it'd be great if this person won instead of that person if you can avoid jumping to the upper level thing and actually have a conversation with yourself about it then you are benefiting in the way that TV has to offer for you personally and again I you know people hate it when I talk about artistic responsibility or the responsibility of viewers or like anything having a higher purpose beyond just entertainment look everything has to be entertaining or why watch it at all but I do think that like you can access uh, uh, a greater benefit in television if you don't 
knee-jerk your way uh well i think it's to, all, all everything. narrative just, you know. is is intellectual and emotional exercise yep. you know you 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 go to the gym and you lift weights or you run or you do whatever physical exertion to sort of you know get your muscles to work and your body to be healthy i think for your emotions and your mind putting yourself into other people's shoes experiencing these things you know consuming popular culture need not be completely just wasting time until we die distracting myself from the void you know yeah. and, and leading to depression and the you know the the sickness unto death sense but actually you know using it to understand the world and to understand yourself and to to put these concepts through and you know you are just exercising those those muscles so to speak yeah by analyzing this stuff and trying to wrestle with it and so when things are i think Sometimes, you know, popular pieces of popular culture can be too easy and that's fine. And, you know, there's there's totally a need to have shows to put on while you're washing the dishes or mm -hmm. folding the laundry. Um, but anything you can sort of use as exercise by trying to well, understand yeah. it, whether that's comedy, whether that's drama, whether that's science fiction, comic books. It's just you you can put in any sort of level of, you know, it, effort on your part as an audience member mm -hmm. and and evangelion more than most things is in you know intellectual and emotional exercise yeah sure. i mean you know it's uh, like if you're if you're these dead. are heavy weights like, yeah. you know, it's like these these are the big weights no and it's good i mean like just the the it's if if, if, we, if we sound too vague the, the clear the quickest thing i just thought of to sort of talk about it like you know, if your dad cheated on your mom and it was a source of drama and pain, you know, within your family and you, you know, resent him and hate him and stuff like that. Well, it doesn't mean you can't watch The Sopranos and find something interesting in, in sympathizing with Tony Soprano. You know, it's mm -hmm. like it, it, these are opportunities for, for you to safely entertain things that otherwise would upset you in a in a in a very you know uh, real way that, you know, you'll go to therapy for and all that stuff like that. So all that just to say, I think, you know. It's worth uh, treating these things as important, and this show certainly, like you said, uh, invites that. So, with that preamble, <laughs> yeah, should we talk about the episode? <laughs> We're talking about the episode. I mean, Shinji acts out of quote unquote out of character here. Yeah, in that he is a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more arrogant. He gets the he like he. I mean, a lot of this stems from he has the best sync ratio. Uh -huh. There <laughs> in it is. The, uh, in in the test that he does like, over Ray and Asuka, but even before he is given that information in the most charming way, mm -hmm. uh, he eagerly asks, "How did I do?" Which is sort of uncharacteristic. It's not just that he did best, and this like kind mm -hmm. of poisons his sense of self or gives him an inflated sense of self. He's he wants to know it more. He's more engaged than he's ever been, which yeah. I think is interesting. And we've seen, and this is a progression. We've seen, you know, they've done these these tests, and and we've seen him you know, improve and then we've seen him, you know, get some some praise and we've seen him feel a little bit more in this. Yeah, he's kind of feeling himself the most uh, he ever has <laughs> at this point. And, you know, it's a bit maybe too much. You know, this this episode gets to some dark places, not purely because of that. I don't think that, you know, it wasn't hubris that completely, you know, damned him, but it it, it, it was a component of it. But I think, you know, again, we're, we're talking about all these things and... The self, you know, being unconscious of yourself and that this episode is very much about well, what does Shinji think about himself? 
Yeah. And so that we need to start in this place that is about, well, what does Shinji think about himself here at the top of the episode mm-hmm. and then on the surface? And then we dig a little deeper once he sort of literally goes <laughs> to this to this to the sunken place yeah uh, yeah no yeah, pretty much i mean that's basically uh i was watching get out this weekend and and yeah it's it's you know i bet uh i bet jordan likes evangelion i take i i you, would i bet you five bucks he does we i would love to hear about it and what i would i don't know what i would want more to like you know watch evangelion with jordan peele or talk about mm-hmm. evangelion with him, or just see a key and peele sketch of the two valets <laughs> Talking about Evangelion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know who's great though? Asuka's. Yeah. <laughs> Asuka's. <laughs> I can't even do it. I'm just gonna like. I'll get... No, yeah. Well, there's there's a there's a fantasy just dream r- running around and jumping. Asuka's fighting that, fighting those angels though. Jumping on the battleships. Oh, so great! I, that's what I would want. Yeah. No, I would <laughs> want that. That's what I would prefer. Well, that's probably never gonna happen. So I can still dream that I can uh, get stoned with Jordan Peele one day and talk about Evangelion. Um, uh, and if you know Jordan, if you don't, if you don't know about it, uh, you're never really gonna hear this. But if you don't know about it, you should know about it. He's a he's a listener. Um. Yeah, I I do wanna I I sort of vaguely referenced it, but just uh, Masato saying in English, "Hey, you are number one." <laughs> just I need to sort of. Yeah, it's good. You've referenced Brooklyn Nine Nine before. There's the episode <laughs> where Terry eats the chocolate nibs every time he like mm-hmm. accomplishes a task. I mm-hmm. should have that sound on my phone so that when oh, I do sure. something, Masato just says, "You are number one." Yeah, that's pretty good. If you just had like a button to give yourself, that. yeah, like a little like a rat in a maze, mm-hmm. just tapping that button to get the praise. That like be... uh, Asuka and Ray bring up, I don't, I don't want to jump ahead, but no, I do want to, you know, there, there is that moment of, do you pilot Ava just for praise? And, yeah. and Asuka says, no, I pilot it so that I can praise myself, so that I have a sense of worth uh, by contributing is, something. It's interesting. It is interesting. I won't feel good about myself unless mm-hmm. I psychologically, you know, I feel like I made a contribution and that I was the one who made the contribution. Which has, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's. We could, yeah, there's a lot there. Which is selfish, but is also essential yeah. for having a sense of worth. Like, you know, and, and it's a tricky thing when you're dealing with the creative industry as, as we do, where it's often a collaboration. And as a writer, it's like, don't, I just, oh, I want to hear my one line. And mm-hmm. I want that to be the line that I wrote. And, you know, you have producers that get their chance to sort of this is my chance to make my mark on the movie at this stage in the process so i must have something and that's why you get these sort of pet ideas why mm-hmm. the, the story of the giant metal spider that was supposed to be in the, <laughs> the uh, john peters the thing, tim burton yeah. superman yeah. and then like shows up again in the wild wild, wild, wild west because it's just like i have my one idea and i have to i have to contribute yeah and sometimes you're needing to contribute and needing credit for the contribution when you don't need it and the best thing for you to do would be to not yeah but we I mean, all have that and that asuka has that need of i want to i need to be the one well that's and it's it's interesting because it is like if you if you could derive you know a sort of satisfaction just from your own self and not require it from other people there is a healthy version of that mm-hmm. i don't know it's balancing out like a kind of narcissistic you know, self satisfaction or something like that. I, I it's 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 well, tricky because yeah. oh, because that's Shinji you know. is like the the, and I want to talk about who exactly is speaking because you brought that up as we were watching the show. 
but yes. he's sort of told you are afraid of the other Shinjis that exist in other people's heads. Mm-hmm. And you know, you sort of look at that as yeah, you are you are scared of what people think of you. I mean, yeah. look at how much posturing there is online and how much group thinking there is on social media and the, just the need for for likes and th- i mean this is a very literal way mm-hmm. you can see people being terrified of what other people are going to think so it's like i must voice my opinion about you know this thing because i need people to know i'm on the right side yeah and i need people to know this about me and uh well yeah, and i mean the, the, the internet really shapes you oh it's so i mean it's it, the 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 social media has become such a clear uh, reference to this type of existential thinking because not only you know when, oh, it when, is the hedgehog's dilemma writ large well well but uh, but also the different selves i mean like you know the the yeah. am i am i the self that i am on instagram am i the self i am on twitter you know am i the self i am on facebook you know it's like mm-hmm. i you know you know the am i the me that looks happy and has lovely food around me all the time and always has friends am i the me that's witty and just just you know up like this yeah exactly and it's like you're you're projecting a thing and we all know it at this point so it's like kind of i mean it's funny like i don't know it'd be hilarious for somebody to see this episode for the first time be like yeah yeah yeah, we all get that i don't know if people (laughs) think that way or not because it's i don't know how conscious everyone really is you know i'm very conscious of how i restrict uh you know my opinions and my the way i you know process things i mean for me this show is definitely like uh you know somebody being like why are you clenching your teeth and you're like what and then you like notice like oh god I've been clenching my teeth like this entire time. Yeah. You know, it's like this show points out to me things that it's like oh of course that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it, it I think we do these things and we are aware of them on a subconscious level and I think a lot of what this show does is shakes it out and your subconscious kind of is like rises to the surface and you are just aware of those movements beneath yeah, the like the, what they say, like when you get like a massage that like you know, like it like releases toxins or whatever some of that. I don't know if it's pseudoscience or not, but like the sort of like yeah, you're you're releasing something that your body doesn't need and it makes you feel you know a certain way or whatever. Like this show is definitely has a kind of soul massage quality to it. it you know, and, and it's it's a good thing because it is it is so pleasing and so entertaining. But it it, it makes you stop and have to yeah. ask those questions about stuff. And so I mean, I guess it, we don't know if we need to like if we want to talk more about that sequence, because it's sort of the mirrored sequence to the Ray thing, right? Like it's kind of, it's the second time we really get, well, but the Ray sequence, well, the Ray sequence is prompted plot wise and literally by the, the sync test, the swap mm-hmm. out of the different things. Mm-hmm. And so now we get, yeah, I guess a similar sequence. It's more confrontational, like less introspective and more like interrogative. Yeah. Um, but that also might be the difference in personalities. Cause that is like, with Ray, she was just sort of it was just her thought process, and it was like yeah. it was an un, it was an uncovering. You know, we made all the Terrence Malick jokes and stuff like that, but it was like, you know, it, like you, you know, it's very popular, like the jokes on the internet and stuff, where it's like, oh, what the way like dogs think or something like that. You know, uh-huh. it's like okay, that was our <laughs> chance to see what what is what is this weird Who's creature? That? What does Ray think like? You know, whereas with Shinji, I don't know if that's what we're because I asked you that before we started. Is like, is it is he just thinking? And because I do that with myself, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe some of it's like, well, a I mean, the, thing. Like, we should talk about the setup of mm-hmm. this before okay, we get sure, into sure, sure. that scene. Uh, and we'll just speed to the plot. Sure. So Shinji gets the best sync rate. He's feeling good. Asuka's feeling pissed. This mm-hmm. is where we kind of start to, to see Asuka's not how dangerous her yeah. need to be number one can be for her. Mental state, yeah. Because before it's just kind of been, yeah, she's kind of arrogant. Like, okay, we got it. And now this is sort of like she's 
you know, punching the locker and, mm-hmm. and really like, uh oh, <laughs> this is not well, not a healthy way to be uh, when somebody else gets praise or is successful. And I love the you know the disparity between her reaction and Ray's and like <laughs> she's well, like we're gonna have to try harder, right? We're gonna have to do yeah, this. Yeah. We're gonna well, I don't keep it up. And then like Ray just like bye, <laughs> just leaves. Well, I what's, one of the things I think I liked about that moment and then and all of the stuff leading up to this uh, incident that happens to Shinji is that this is an episode that really like it feels like a checking back into the progress that they've made as a team. Yeah, like like I for love all that the Asuka team building is, is aspect, reaching out for somebody because that's what you want when you're angry. I do this to you all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll just like text you because I'm bitching about something, and it's just like I just need somebody else to be like, "Come on, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Fuck this other thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, oh fuck Shinji, Ray, you and me, right? We're we're number two and three, but man, fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do you kind of need no? It's camaraderie, yeah. and it's and it's in in a way that like you know, it's nice to see the progression that like you know, even the fact that like that she says goodbye, that Ray says goodbye <laughs> yes. to her, is feels like, you know, for Ray, the I tiniest did, gesture did of friendship is, that she is did massive. That. Like, that is, like, you know, that's that's all... I mean, that's as much as Asuka's going to get from her as far yeah. as, like, sympathy. I totally you know? remembered her just leaving. Like, in that yeah, scene, I, like, I knew that was going to... But that the, you're right, that the fact that she said goodbye actually hit me quite hard. Yeah, it, it really feels like... And even, and even the fact that, like, Asuka's, like... Like even something about the way she's upset with Shinji is still it's so familiar. And like mm-hmm. at the beginning of the episode when she's sort of calling him out for being you know like self deprecating or whatever, like it's 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 these are people that have gotten to know each other. These are people that trust each other. And when we see the beginning of the mission, oh my phone's ringing, but I'm not gonna answer it. Um, when we see the beginning of the mission, it's like okay, there there's three, all three of them. They've um, got their positions. Yeah, the beginning's and stuff. great too. I want to come back to that. Yeah, Go it's ahead. it's a good. It's like a it's like it really you can tell that they are you know, a well-oiled team, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I mixed my metaphors there, but like, you know, it's, it's cool to see that. And then of course, <laughs> well-oiled team. Of yeah. Bodybuilders. <laughs> oiled up this team. They're oiled. They're, they're coming. They're going to fight team, the angels. And when this team gets here, you're going to, it's better uh, believe it. It's Evangelion, <laughs> Neon Genesis, 1999. Giant robots are coming. <laughs> <laughs> just, just going in every one of our favorite comedy TV show bits. Now, anyone, I wanted yeah, we're not, to. We're not going to say what that was. If you know what it was, you enjoyed it. If you don't, you're confused. Um, so, anyways, yeah. So they're on this mission. There's a new. These angel. robots are big, <laughs> and you, and it's a new century. Let me tell you, uh, <laughs> you got to see it for yourself because they scream like. They're screaming alive. Robots. They're not robots. They're screaming robots. That doesn't make sense. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. No, but in the beginning, what was I going to talk about? I mean, we get the Misato theme again. That's all fun. Oh, Asuka calling Shinji out on apologizing all the time. And the fact that that doesn't even mean anything. Like, mm-hmm. like is, is your knee-jerk response is just to say you're sorry because you don't want to get yelled at. Does that mean you're actually sorry? Like, it doesn't show any any actual like penitence like yeah. or, or repentance on your part like which is an interesting thing like there are people that that seem so meek and you, you sort of assume okay they're being polite or they're being good or whatever but it's like well how much of it is do they actually feel sorry do they actually feel this way or are they just they just don't want to be reprimanded so mm-hmm. they they apologize just because and and anything that you do all the time you know it dilutes the potency of it and so mm-hmm. it just in, in sense of recognizing the self and and i that was an astute call on mm-hmm. Asuka's part. Is like how how bad does Shinji really feel about the trouble he causes others? Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, anyway. it's 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 well. I mean, 
So he gets. We're definitely going to get more of that. <laughs> he gets gets that that thing. I, he, we have more hands stuff. I've been trying to call it yeah. out every time, but um, I'm sure we've missed a couple. But again, the prominence yeah. of hand imagery and that after he he's he's on the bus, the public transportation, looking at his hand, flexing his fingers, mm-hmm. sort of watching his. And you kind know, of just, talking to himself. Like He's, a child, too. This oh, I didn't even realize this, but, you know, babies staring at their hands. Oh, there's, yeah. a, there's so much birth imagery and rebirth imagery in this that we're about to get to. And splitting of the breast, referring to sort of infantile mm-hmm. uh, awareness of different things. Him, like, a, like an infant, flexing his fingers and sort of staring in astonishment at his own ability mm-hmm. to exert control over the exterior world outside of himself. Yeah. But then clenching it into a fist for this, the more traditional, like, yes, it's like, yosh, mm-hmm. is so good. And yeah, I this love, is that that's Shinji peak feeling himself, is but what then I it is feel promptly like. undercut by two children <laughs> snickering at him in secret and like watching him from the front of the bus, which is like the most embarrassing thing. Oh, is yeah, to have like two seven year olds looking at you on the bus and snickering. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would only be worse if they were like schoolgirls or something, but like it, it's it's enough to just it's just like I mean, it's nice that they don't linger on on Shinji, like he doesn't you don't actually see it he doesn't get too embarrassed or like angry but it is but I love that they can't give him a moment like that without undercutting it a little bit which is just funny good huh yeah he's all right he's like oh wow but yeah we go out of that straight into the mission because a new angel shows up and sorry this is the long road to get to what you were trying to talk about but uh, this angel is Lelial okay which is also, you know, it's a sort of a bastardization of Lila, which in is an angel that, or it's something that shows up in the Talmud. Oh, okay, interesting. You know, the Talmud is the the Jewish, yeah, sort of. It's the 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 one with all the rules in it. All yeah, I mean, I'll sort of I'll just Wikipedia a lot of this stuff, but it's the primary source of Jewish Jewish religious law and Jewish mm-hmm. theology. Yep. So the most interesting thing is that this is referred to as the Angel of Night. But according to That's interesting. the Talmud, Lila is an angel in charge of conception mm. who takes a drop of semen and places it before God. And uh, so in one translation of the Talmud, it says, uh, for our Hanina B. Papa, uh, the following exposition. The name of the angel who is in charge of conception is Night, and he takes up a drop and places it in the presence of the Holy One, blessed be he, saying, Sovereign of the universe, what shall be the fate of this drop? Shall it produce a strong man or a weak man, a wise man or a fool, a rich man or a poor man? Lila chooses a soul from the Garden of Eden and commands it to enter the embryo watches over the development in the womb and shows the rewards and punishments available to the individual like holy shit and then, and so then right before so, birth so, so, right so. before birth lila strikes the newborn above the lip making it forget what was learned and creating the philtrum which is if you've seen the christopher walken movie the prophecy it's been a long time but he yeah. claims that he was the one that get the philtrum is that spot uh, under your nose, uh-huh. uh huh, like your lips, so that yeah. like that little dent. And, yeah, I didn't and, know that was what that Christopher was Walken. It makes a point in that movie of like telling the humans that, like, you know, do you know why you have that there? It's because I, when you were born, I put my finger to your lips and I went, shh. It's pretty cool. So the idea of this angel here making you forget it, all this womb injury, imagery, and sorry, you were gonna say something. <laughs> no, I was but... gonna make a joke about just the sort of behind the curtain concept of like, you know, whenever you like, you know, you you bust and then what's actually happening is an angel's bringing one drop of it before God. Like every single time that happens, 
uh, in a conception that this is this is this was what's really going on. You know, I just think that's funny. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. And it's like he's so over overworked. Yeah, and just that that's that's you know that as though that was possible. I just find that funny. Um, yeah. So the idea there's just some other fun stuff on. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm being the guy that's like, well, I read on Wikipedia. Yeah, no, no, I, it, it's very, but in this case, that's exactly what we're here for, I think. Like, But the, the whole idea of stuff being forgotten at birth, you know, and you know how that relates to the Jungian concept of the collective unconscious, mm-hmm, which I you know mm-hmm. you've been interested in, mm-hmm. and that I, I need to point out, although I can't really say too much about this yet in the show, but that Lila is the polar opposite of Lilith who wastes seed, is not maternal, and is bent on destruction, I was going to ask how Lilith was connected to the... Is it just... Lilith, we can't really talk no. about yet. Yeah, but put a pin in that, uh, dear listener. Um, that will mm, come up more later. Some of you probably know a little bit about Lilith. We've already referenced Adam. Yeah. There's Ava. Yeah. And there's going to be something that has to do with Lilith. So, well, yeah. That's, but that's rich... Uh, imagery for this particular angel to like so, like right like yeah i mean so, that seems like so it has much, to be normally the titles are like okay got it you know oh that's poetic but like this time it's everything and just the, even the you know the infantile hand discovery thing it's yeah like, oh, jesus like every scene in this well and it's i mean this angel episode is returning shinji to a womb state and exactly this is, that's and that's this what we're is, getting to and this is you know and it, and it goes back to like um just on a superficial level like i talked about before like sensory deprivation tanks are like a big deal to me and like this is another you know episode that has a sensory deprivation quality and again mm-hmm. i uh some i would love to know if sensory deprivation tanks were ever a popular thing <laughs> in japan i would love to know if 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 ano ever did that because it really seems to me like a lot of this comes from those type of experiences and it's like you know if you've never done it and i can't remember if i talked about this at length on the thing you you did it because we we yes. both did it for research for a project we were doing um, and obviously they're they're sort of back in popular culture thanks to things like Stranger Things and stuff like that. But uh, if you you know if you're listening to this and you've never done it or you've seen the movie Altered States and you thought it was just some weird thing, like no, there's a lot of places that they're sort of health spa type situations where you can pay and sit in a sensory deprivation tank and your sense of self to some degree evaporates because the, there's no light, there's no sound. Uh, the water in the air is the same temperature as your body, and you're floating in in darkness and you don't touch anything and you don't you can sit there and you do sort of eventually kind of dissociate in the type of thoughts that are had in this episode you create entire civilizations that that rise and fall <laughs> lifetimes pass it's i mean kind of i mean i've had some weird it's like shit. the episode of adventure time when <laughs> finn gets lost in the pillow fort and has a whole <laughs> life and has a pillow wife pulled out of it it... no but i mean i think i wonder i would love to know if ano ever did that and if any of these kind of like self-interrogation things ever came from that because you do i mean i remember laying in one a couple years ago and asking myself what what happiness was to me and actually like you know because you have time you like you just it feels like you you know infinite time in your thoughts and i was really going through my entire life and asking what would make me more happy like if i had this would i be happier if i had a house instead of an apartment if i had a new car if i had you know this thing that thing and it was 
it was amazing. And it was like, I didn't go in with the intention of doing that. But you, you just came out there with a DVD copy of the Todd Solon's movie, Happiness. <laughs> I did. And then everything was, just, you know. It was floating in the, in the Yeah, ether. God answered my questions, gave uh, me the thing, and then all was right in the world. You know, it was it was great. But anyways, all that to say that, yeah, what he ends up here is, is a womb-like. Well, he gets sucked in. Like, yeah. we can just sort of, let's, let's yeah, get back there on track. through yeah. the plot, yeah. which is the, the new angel shows up, Lelio. Uh, and is manifested as it looks like another like Romeo, like another big floating mm-hmm. thing in the sky, sort of this weird zebra eyeball, which is super cool and scary mm-hmm. looking. But we find out the real angel is actually the shadow underneath it, which is this super thin space, uh, something called a Dirac Sea, which I looked up Dirac Sea, and I'm even more out of my element there <laughs> trying to to talk about the imaginary space and the mathematics of that. But you know, it's based on some real. Uh, you know, the theoretical physics. Okay, sure, I imagine. Um, and Shinji gets pulled down into that shadow because it's sort of able yeah, to. Him, it has, it has a reverse, one, yeah, yeah, a reverse AT field that swallows Unit One, swallows a bunch of buildings. So we get a bunch of really cool and surreal mm-hmm. action imagery and animation, which is super fun. Um, but Shinji is lost inside, and he's you know, there's a really great shot of the umbilical cable like just sinking yeah. endlessly into this, you know pool of blackness mm-hmm. and he gets trapped in there they pull the cable back up and there's nothing there so he's, yeah. he's got basically 16 hours of battery if he doesn't do anything but sit there if he's just on life support so mm-hmm. they have 16 hours to find him and that's why he ends up in the entry plug mm-hmm. which is your sensory deprivation mm-hmm. tank he's in the liquid and that's where all this shit happens. So now we can talk about as much of that scene as we want yeah I mean it, it it's it's there you know he's I mean, I assume it's the same actor. You know, it's his voice asking him questions. Her, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I mean his the, the character, but oh, her the actor. Oh, yeah. uh, it, but but it, it's it's you know Shinji is asking is talking to Shinji and mm-hmm. talking about the 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 different perceptions of self. And I don't know at this point. It, it occurred to me, and I you know I'm not watching this for the first time, obviously, but I forget things. I don't know what we're meant to believe about. Is is this another consciousness that's presenting to Shinji as himself for the purposes of interrogation? Is this just Shinji's thoughts that are being sort of, you know, mm-hmm. again, you can have conversations with yourself in that way. You can say, you know, why don't right. you well, do this? So, why do you so do that? It's so abstract that it's, you know, could be just, is this a literalization of his interior emotional space? And it's not, any, you know, it's mm-hmm. not even a literal conversation that he's having. It's just sort of... If you had to put into dialogue your conflicting thoughts, yeah, sure, it could sure. sound something like this because it is, you know, it's just the two voices are illustrated by vertical and horizontal lines yeah. that that wobble when he speaks. Which is a great uh, cheap technique that I'm sure whoever came Incredible. up with that in the office they got a big pat on the back from somebody because it saved them. This episode in general feels like a little bit like well, they're really straining their animation. They're starting here. to have to do that. Yeah, and they're finding these creative workarounds to you know and make a weakness a strength of the show yeah. for sure um but yes but it has this sort of terrence malick equality not unlike the 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 ray thing before and but it, it but it does it seems like there's more to it and i don't know it's a much more involved because it, again it's an interaction and ray yeah. is sort of you know giving her a little poem and this is a conversation between two consciousnesses or two entities and if you in you know i mean i'm just going to sort of spin the wheels here a little bit and if you have other answers that you want to you know tell me but like i i you know the questions i ask myself while i'm watching this in terms of 
that question in general is like, well, he's he's inside of an angel. Yes. So so, and he's also inside of an Ava, mm-hmm. and we oh, are yes. we are learning that there are more to <laughs> so both a, of there's these. There's a Shinji inside of Shinji inside an Ava inside an angel. <laughs> yeah, there's a very yeah, there's a very Russian doll sort of quality to 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 what's going on here, and and any combination of those things could could be perceived as having a voice mm-hmm. in this conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I I like just without i'm not like foreshadowing anything because i don't know but it's like if you told me that that was the ava speaking to him i would believe you if you told me that was the angel speaking to him i would believe you i i don't if you just told me it was like you said just a literalization of his thought process i believe you i don't really know and i don't think that we're meant to know and i don't really well, know the book you know. the my evangelion chronicle mm-hmm. plays it kg that uh, um not surprised but and you know it says like some people theorize that it is in fact the angel that is speaking to him and that the angel is trying to reach out and yep. understand humanity. I will say in the I've referenced it before the Red Cross book, which is the pamphlet mm-hmm. that was I think like eight hundred yen or something. It was the the little booklet that they gave out to the theatrical screenings of End of Evangelion that had uh, you know terms defined and kind of helped clarify because you know there weren't that many canonical sources of like mm-hmm. what even like well, what is what is lcl like they just they say all this shit but the show doesn't yeah. take great pains to define any of these things for you um and kazuya suramaki has said the original scenario for this episode was that he was supposed to talk to the angel interesting and they thought that would be very you know, could potentially be really silly and very like cliche sci-fi, like, you know, your way of thinking mm-hmm. does not compute. That even says like the quote even says he, he does the fake, like running his finger over his, mm-hmm. his Adam's apple to make a alien voice. Um, so it was that, and they pulled back and thought it was more interesting to sort of go in this more either or way and, Which... and have it be where, but so, so, the angel is speaking to, I truly, you know, I believe the angel is speaking to him through him. You know, it is an attempt of I'm inside the angel and it's trying to communicate through me. I also want to point out the, he's talking to a younger version of himself on the train, which yep. we talk about the train too. Mm-hmm. If you look at his shirt, he's wearing a striped shirt and mm-hmm. the pattern on the angel is all these uh, black and white stripes. That is so I interesting. I think there's sort of a subtle indication well, that there's a connection between and I, and I just for the sake of it, because I you know bring it up all the time, I do I do see this as a, being another um, aspect of what I believe to be the influence of Stanley Kubrick and Arthur C. Clarke. I think that like a lot of things that are, as the show gets closer to the end, the, the referencing two thousand one and the the famous Stargate sequence from two thousand one is going to be something that I do a lot. And I think that like some of like what that I think this has relationship to that in terms of like that the Stargate sequence to some degree being a sort of there's a this human entity is now in, in interfacing with something intergalactic or whatever and it doesn't portray itself as a literal conversation or an interaction in that way but there's something going on there and that the, by not assigning this voice or this personality to the angel it's has there's something similar to that to me I right can, I can it's sort of that. it's in your it's in your head i mean the, mm-hmm. the angels are so unfathomable so the idea of interact and then you're just getting crazier and crazier like there's one thing to have crazy designs like oh they've got these eyes weeping this orange acid like oh so crazy looking Mm -hmm. but they're just getting the fact that this one is 
the actual thing you think is the angel is a shadow and the shadow is the real angel and it's a, a negative space that has an inverted AT field that can suck you up inside of it and this yeah. like super thin it's like it's getting so weird yeah so the idea of communicating with one that it would just like stroll up and talk to you and this is setting a standard for some of the angel interactions that are going to be later on. I don't yeah, want to spoil too yeah, much. But yeah, I can't say a name, but I, I do think that that's some of what we're every Everybody here. gets a turn to sort of interface a little bit. And I think I that's I think the 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 some of yeah, the the angel if we're calling if we're gonna go and call it an angel voice, I think that that's yeah, we're gonna we, there's a character that yeah. Right. But I think there's even, you know, there's a lot of and in this episode, and you know, where do where do I stop, and where does something else begin? And there's the sickness unto death stuff, like where you know you got you are part of God's plan, you are part of love. Like the 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 worst part of the worst type of despair is like not understanding that you're you're sort of part of God's love, and faith is the mm-hmm. the antidote to or the opposite of despair. So the idea of yeah, it's it's the angel, but it's also Shinji as well. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like it. it if there's sort of both in there, as we said, this Russian doll thing, it's like, well, where, where does it stop? And if it is sort of communicating to you through you, it's sort of using his own mind to mm-hmm. talk to him. So I don't, I think you kind of, it's not a cop out to sort of say, I think you get, you get both because yep. it's getting so abstract and he's, he's sort of in here. The water, the water's getting cloudy and the purification system is such a gnarly little detail. Oh too. God. But that's, yeah. And that's all the womb stuff. You're inside your, you're the mother. and you, mm-hmm. th- It's all the same, you know, the same food, the same nourishment, part of the same physical body mm-hmm. until you break Which away. Which leads to what ultimately happens. Yeah, he's calling for help. He calls, he lists everybody that he knows, including his father, towards the end of the list. I love know. that. I love the paying attention to the order of things because uh-huh. they think it's misato first well, let's, yeah, let's, uh, then asuka then ayanami who he does not call ray he calls ayanami mm-hmm. then i think ritsuko and there's a long pause before father of mm-hmm. like sort of the last ditch effort like father um does he ask does he call his mother for help he does i went too far when i did the thing because well he would or is it a sort of a separate because he is in there. I mean, you know, ultimately, he does see this. He kind of gives up. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Oh, there's so there's so many things to talk about though. Because there is a lot of, we get a lot of great music cues for the first time here. Kind mm-hmm. of like this is where the back half of the musical, um, uh, what do you call it? You know, palette that like the the toolbox uh, of certain themes kind of all get introduced here. Yeah, Misato, Asuka, Ayanami. Ritsuko, uh, father, father, father comes last, and then it's just somebody help me. Yeah. Uh, but we get all the different music that I want to highlight because I love all that stuff. But we also see flashes of newspaper headlines, what seem to be newspaper headlines, and it's it's too fast to read, and and the subtitles on our discs anyway, they do flash mm-hmm. English translations of what is written there. But I will you know tell you. All those little headlines are talking about Yui's, Yui is Shinji's mother, mm-hmm. her disappearance. So we know mm-hmm. now for the first time, by you know, if you look at these flashes, something happened and she disappeared and was gone. Yeah, because we it, knew the grave thing that she's not there in the grave. There was no body. Yeah, but here is like sort of these reports on it and a line of dialogue saying something like, "He killed his own wife." 
right? Mm. I don't know exactly what it says, but somebody's saying something about that. So it seems like, oh, Gendel, Gendo is involved in some sort of scandal. Mm. It's like the, he's a Shelley Miscavige or something. It's yeah. like, where, where is, where is Ooh, Gendo's wife? You took it there. Where, what happened to, uh, yeah. to Yui Akari? Where is she? Show us a body. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, yeah, this is getting so so. So deep so quickly and but but yeah. there's mom showing up there mm-hmm. and then he sort of has been down here and it's like they're running out of time back on the surface they're trying to figure out how do we say we'll, we'll talk about back on the surface in, in a mm-hmm. minute um but he kind of gives up yeah and it's just like fine i don't I said, never mind I, i'm tired of all of it yeah and he's he's like sort of accepting his fate and and i mean right from the beginning he's he's kind of accepting his fate but like well, he's on the train too i also want to talk about this is the return to the train that he was riding mm-hmm. on endlessly when he was trying to run away. And we talked about that being a, a space in transit, not one space or another. So I think it's very telling that Shinji's mental space is represented by this empty train car that he's on. Mm-hmm. But in his dark moment, that's when the image of his mother shows up. Yeah. And it's sort of like a, it's like a sort of ghostly spirit form of a like a nude woman, right? Yeah, like that's... It's, like, it's a Patronus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we also have to talk about... Uh, Got to talk about Harry Potter, Harry Potter every Potter time. Harry Potter all the time. Harry Potter's Patronus should have been a naked version of his father. Like, that looks <laughs> like this... naked James Potter. This naked running white... Running around the woods. Glowing James Potter. Scaring Dementors off. <laughs> bullying, uh... <laughs> bullying, uh, Snape's doe. Oh, God. Um... <laughs> Uh, but yes, she kind of rescues him. I mean, like that sort of yeah, and and that leads to the rescue. So I don't know if we want to talk about that yet because we should maybe talk about. So yeah, so I mean, what there's not a ton on the surface. I mean, it's basically just like Misato and Ritsuko. I want to. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 everybody's sort of dealing with this in their own way, and and it's a very emotional thing, and we're seeing how much, you know. I mean, Masada feels responsible. You know, Asuka sort of like blaming it. You know, Shinji did it to himself. Like, there's a lot of sort of different tensions going on. Everybody wants to get him out. Ritsuko's, you know, planned this sort of rescue mission that's going to involve but bombing the takes, shit out of yeah, the thing. Yeah, she takes control of the thing away from Misato. Yeah, and Misato's very Misato in this episode is very much reacting to what she saw at the end of the previous episode, which is she saw that mm-hmm. fucking big white. Pillsbury Doughboy, so Staples Marshmallow Man thing. Of anyone above her. So she point. knows, yeah, like yeah. she knows Ritsuko's lying to her. She she asks straight up, "What is an Ava? What are these things?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's she kind of, you know, her doesn't Kaji's Kaji can't really trust Kaji. He's he's up to something. She knows he's a triple agent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Ritsuko is her friend. She knows she's keeping secrets. Can't trust Gendo. Obviously, Shinji's like her only other human connection again yeah. was searching for camaraderie so it's like i have to save shinji he's the only person here i can trust like he's the only one who's in this with me like we're together mm-hmm. so she's very protective of him and really and has, has a big fight with yeah. with um yeah because ritsuko says Ritzko. that the plan is this complicated you know jargony thing where they're gonna have the two other avas like deploy their AT fields that's going to disrupt the inward AT field of the thing and then they're going to bomb all the, the shit N2 out of it. mines yeah. that they have all the remaining N2 mines like yeah 992 I think is yeah. the number it's like all yeah, they're going to just empty the store but the on this priority is retrieval of unit one it is not yes the safety and she says the that she says that yeah the life of the pilot is not the priority here even if there's damage done to the thing we have to get unit one out of there and that's you know is of course forcing um 
you know, uh, the question of like, well, what the what is the Ava? Like, what why is this so important? And what are you guys planning? And blah blah blah. And she slaps the and, shit out of. And her. later she says, "What are they going to do with the Avas once all the angels are defeated?" Yeah, which is An alarming to question. think about. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So yeah, once mom shows up, but we get a lot of we see a photograph of Yui, and then yeah, she she sort of appears and takes him out, and this is the first time in a long time we see Ava Unit One go berserk again. Yes, because its battery should be dead. Like he's been on life support these sixteen hours. Yeah, I mean and more. The, the, the operational There's no power is like five minutes when they don't have the plug, or three yeah. minutes or whatever. It's not a lot of time. And this has been 16 hours. Right. so Just on life support. Yeah. So that, that accounts for that. But still, it should be dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beyond, it shouldn't be able to move at and all. We haven't, it hasn't gone berserk since, like, episode, the very first fight with yeah. Sakiel, right? Uh, there's maybe one more. We, I mean, it moves his hand to protect Shinji in the yeah. first episode. And the second episode, it loses That's its true. shit and kills the angel. I think it's been pretty much under control until now, where it was like mm-hmm. the most berserk. Yeah, and oh, Shinji's crouching in a fetal position, by the way, when he is uh, giving up and mm-hmm. floating in this this blood smelling liquid uh, inside this thing, and then yeah, it rips Ava Unit One. Oh, we do get this is important too. Is this shadowy image of Yui, Shinji's uh-huh. mother? He's holding, like, right before this, what I'm about to describe happens, yeah. right before he escapes, you get this shadowy thing of Yui sort of on the the left, your left-hand side mm-hmm. if you're looking at the screen, but you can't see what her face looks like. You do hear her voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I should draw attention to her voice or not. I, I, this is this is the thing, is it gets so subtle, but... Yeah, just keep um, going. As she says, he's holding something. I, like I love that... Like he's holding a red ball He's holding a red little red ball. I mean, it's sort of, I feel like this image is foreshadowing stuff from End of Evangelion. Probably. Um, but there's a little bit of, you know, yeah, he's got the whole world in his hands, kind of. A, mm-hmm. I'm holding this little glowing ball of Offering something that looks mom. precious. Uh, I mean, is it a soul? I don't, you know. And she says, well, that's good for you, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that? And not in a, that sounds dismissive, that translation. <laughs> yeah, say, well, yeah. that's good for you, Shinji. But it's like, well, that good that's that's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> Ava rips out of the... Yeah, so we cut back out of that. So she's like, are you ready? And that's good for you and stuff like that. And so we see the, the this wonderful shot of are all the planes ready? flying to drop the mines. We see that they're, they're ready to do the thing. But before anything can happen, the ground sort of ruptures in like a sort of earthquakey way where the, mm-hmm. the, where the shadow is. They all don't know what's going on. No one has any fucking idea. They didn't do anything, blah, 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 blah. And that leads to then... You know, one re- tearing its way out of the spherical. Right. It turns object. black. It turns into a Gaunt's ball. Yeah. It's completely black. It's this black orb hovering above the city. Yeah, the and shot then, of its hand pushing out of the thing the first time is amazing. Then the, the wide shot of it the, splitting the, the side blood of it open. It's just pouring blood pouring down. out of it. Ava Unit 1 just, like, you know, this is a very violent birth. Yes. It's you a know, violent birth. Uh, this uh, is a, crawling a out of this thing. Uh, and just blood pouring blood down on the city, down and it's city. and it's just screaming as it you know this just weird roar, just a rage, and everybody's reactions. Uh, I mean, Ray is the only one that's just sort of staring coldly at. at Asuka this. is my favorite, which is like I that's what I'm piloting. Like, yeah, holy shit! And yeah, Ritsuka says, "What kind of monster have we copied?" Oh yeah, I mean, there's. Misato so realizes here. I know the Avas are not just copies of the first angel. Yeah. 
Um, I yeah the the expression on Asuka's face is so good. They show it a couple times, but how scared she looks mm-hmm. uh, is really good. Like so, you, like Asuka's always at least putting on a front of like bluster, and you know that this is just she's terrified. <laughs> well, yeah, because it, it I mean it's 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 yeah it bellows its you know battle cry or whatever. It rips thing out. It lands in like this power stance, like it's ready to fuck everybody up. I mean, this and thing we is see like, the hand, like this is image that we glimpsed in the fucking title sequence. If the there's a shot of Avian One's hand like covered in blood mm-hmm. in the opening credits, and it's like one of the more kind of evocative images, and it's like, well, here we are. So I mean, so they sort of cut from it. <laughs> it also, landing. the electric guitar is really wailing yeah. during all this. Like, I always, the first time I saw this onward, I always it made me think of like Thundercats. Oh sure, there's something yeah. about the quality of the music, and then like watching animation, which obviously Thundercats had some overseas animation, or was predominantly overseas animation. So just like that, like you know, that wailing, mm-hmm. cutting all the faces it feels really like 80s cartoon oh it's yeah it's great but way more fucked up but yeah then we then we cut we cut from that to to um you know uh misato coming to shinji you know opening it and i pointed out that this is like the reverse shot of the shadowy yui talking Mm -hmm. to him it's like misato's on the you know your right hand side looking at the screen she's flopped and looking into the um entry plug mm-hmm. to see him so like again i know i like the the positioning of her in this maternal position the 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 mirroring of the uh, composition yeah and she falls on him and she hugs him and he's pretty out of it at this point i mean i don't it's unclear what he's really thinking there because she starts out even in shadow too yeah um but yeah this is she's so emotional this is a really i mean he just looks like just completely exhausted but he says i i just wanted to see you one more time which which I don't, you know, it could be interpreted as him talking to his mom. It could be interpreted as him talking to Masato. I mean, I don't... And I'm not this, even entirely sure state at this point on the translation clear. of that, if it is, like, singular or plural. I know that there's, yeah, there's stuff in... That's going to come up later. A line that's always really resonated with me that we haven't gotten to yet is not a spoiler. Just I just wanted to see them again. Mm-hmm. And that was the translation that hit me. So I don't know if this is the exact same line. Just kind I of translated think that slightly you should learn Japanese again. I need to get that. Yeah. And then tell me. Yes. Well, I mean, we listeners. can just listen and I could probably catch it and see. Okay, we'll try. Uh, but I'd have to sort of pull up those two scenes and we're not going to get to this line that I'm talking about till end of Evangelion. Yeah. So, but yeah, I do, I do think it's that he was ready to give up and sort of the desire to see others again, you know, is what he sort of says in his mm-hmm. <laughs> weird somnambulist state here. But again, end. I still, part of me still feels like some, at least some of it is including his mother in that. I, I just, it's the impossible for me not to, yeah, to he's see still a connection there because yeah. that's the last person that he sort of, you know, reached out Ooh. mentally and emotionally for and then she yeah. appeared and then you know obviously had something to do with uh no, you're right. saving him and i i there's something to that but obviously that's also confusing the, the the you know the masato mother overlap i mean there's a lot going on in shinji's mind right oh, yeah. now and it ends with him in the high in the hospital bed as we've seen you know and the, who's been there in his room the whole time uh his his good friend ayanami right ayanami ray and what does she say to him? What does she say to him? Let me rewind it. If you got it, say it. She that. says, well, that's good for you. Oh, yeah. And Shinji says, huh? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I mean, 
when you don't have a mother, you uh, you look for mothers in a lot of places. And Shinji's finding <laughs> a lot of uh, maternal uh, uh, figures in his life right now, including. Um, well, she she wrung out that dish rag, mm-hmm. <laughs> quote unquote, like a mother last time. Yeah, when well, yeah, she's actually being very maternal. She says she tells yes. him stay in bed for the day. We'll take care of everything. And he says, I'm fine now. And she says, well, that's good for you. And it's and really he, sweet. This the is exact the sweetest. Same way, but one of does, the sweetest she's ever been to him. He clocks that. Um, and I love that when Ray leaves, you get a glimpse of that Asuka standing outside the door. And she's yeah. also been there, but did not want to be seen being there. And Shinji sees her and laughs, which is cute. Yes. But it definitely reminds me of like Jane from Firefly, like, you know, the asshole character from... Mm-hmm. Firefly. Sadly, an asshole in real life too, um, but that he is waiting out, uh, anxiously outside of, uh, was like doing surgery on Kaylee or something, and you you'd see his concern, mm-hmm. but this, he's never gonna tell that to anybody else. And so Oscar is this character that's so performative and so wanting you to know certain things, and that we get this glimpse of the tiniest bit just for the audience to be like, yes, yeah, she was out there. Yes, she's equally concerned as much as she might say it's his fault. And be, you know, a total asshole. Mm-hmm. She's waiting outside of his room because she's worried about him. Yeah, and I think, so, you know, again, this is this is we are seeing them so all good. being being better friends here. We are seeing them all care about each other in in their own ways of doing it, you know. Ray being more reserved, but she's 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 stepping up a little she's bit. She's certainly more. growing Asuka being, from you know, bombastic, but you know, also, you know, genuinely concerned and you know, Shinji they're all it's nice and it's, you know, Right. It's, uh, we're just deeper. What's not nice is whatever the hell Gendo and Ritsuko are talking about. They're like watching them <laughs> hose down, pressure wash the bloody yeah. Evangelion. And, uh, uh, Ritsuko says, I think Misato noticed something. Yeah. And Gendo says, leave her be for now. Uh, clearly up to some shenanigans. Um, okay, wait, I do, I, we're going really long here, but so, yeah, I mean, no one cares and we it's can go It's going to be, <laughs> these episodes are getting so yeah, dense that... It's going to be so, we're, we're going to have such marathon shit by the end of it. I just wanted to point out because we, we just let the thing play through to where we saw the coming next time and I, like, the difference in the color palette and some of the animation in this in this episode is very notable to me. And seeing it compared to the shots from the the next episode, uh, with so many incredible shadows, the scene that you called it out on, there's a moment when you, Oscar's uh, in shadow, you just see her eyes, you just see the blue mm-hmm. of her eyes. And somebody pointed out online to me recently that uh, that Asuka has red hair and blue eyes, and Ray has blue hair and red eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, it's is- just this, this, yeah, this has this. I mean, some of it's. You know, like I said, there's probably some budgetary things going on, but it, this episode being a particularly sort of bleak and troubling episode, it, it kind of is reflected in the style of like there's a little bit, it's not as colorful. Mm-hmm. It's It's got, you know, their faces have less detail. There is more of that descending into shadow thing. I don't know. It's just an interesting, I, I, I don't know enough about animation to talk about what's different, but I just, it's a, it's noticeably different Some to of me. it may be like time and money. No, 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 no 100%, honest. I assume as much, um, but uh but it's it's cool. I like I, I I liked being able to see that, and I like uh, I like all the variety of of that in this show. I mean, it's not like it is constantly fluctuating, but it's cool no, to see a different kind of. It's feel. definitely like an episode of Gurren Logon where they like totally changed the animation style. And oh yeah, I think Samurai Seven had one like oh the 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 
Gurren Logan one led to a bunch of online stuff, and one of the heads of Gynox got on the got on the message boards and said, because people were complaining about the animation style change, mm-hmm. and he got on the message boards and said, reading these comments was like putting your face close to an anus and breathing in deeply. <laughs> And he ended up stepping down from his position in Gynox after this because it was a whole huge kerfluffle. This was way before all of our, you know, cancel culture, cancel culture stuff, Twitter yeah. stuff. Like this was, it was him falling on his sword because, you know, he was, but anyway, I, I want to call it before we leave behind all the, you know, we have all this womb imagery, all this, this water imagery too. And that even the silly opening of the episode, which is mostly comedy stuff of Asuka coming out of the shower mm-hmm. and doing a repeat of Shinji from early on in the series that it starts with water drop sound yeah like the image of water and when shinji comes out of the uh entry plug you have Mm -hmm. the the image of just water and even the opening credits i believe open with a similar sort of image of what looks like you know reflections of water on waves Mm -hmm. getting into a lot of that a lot of this stuff yeah yeah we're only We're only going to get deeper, but uh, I guess we, we can go ahead and call it for now. Um, there's not much else to say, but, you know, thanks for listening, guys. And, uh, you know, we're getting there. We're getting some some oh, man. real good stuff. The smell and... of blood will not come off from here on out. <laughs> no, no, it will not. And, and I don't remember if we've said it before, so um, I apologize if I'm just repeating myself, but I, I'm... We're definitely going to have uh, our good friend and director, uh, collaborator, Kevin Phillips, on very soon. Friend of the show. I, I was so happy to hear that he binge listened to like all of the episodes. He was recently. avoiding it out of jealousy because he was supposed to be third mic. But, you know, that asshole had to go get a job directing a bunch of awesome music videos, which are now being released. And this is be way in delay. But the, if you haven't watched Kevin's Lumineers videos, the, they're all uh, probably should be online by the time you hear this. And they're fantastic. That's what he's been doing yes. instead of being on the show. But he's going to be back in L.A. soon and, and we're going to have him on um, it, 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 for the very least to do uh, our end of Evangelion extravaganza, which I guarantee <laughs> you will be at least three hours long. Oh, my God. I can. I just I just know it. But if we can get him before that, we'll have him on as much yeah. as humanly possible. So and um, the, the quick update on mine is like my kids have definitely oh, slowed yeah. down. I mean, I, I haven't heard about I this haven't. Week. Yeah. I haven't been pushing because <laughs> our episode with Lacey, I was sort of like, oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't, you know, she sort of expressed shock that I was doing that. Yeah. So I'm letting them sort of set the pace. We did watch Magma Diver. I think that was the last one that we watched. And so we'll sort of continue to feel that out. I also, you know, I'm hoping, you know, if we can hold out till the, the new dub comes up on Netflix, maybe yeah. they watch that. Because as you pointed out, the screaming is such an essential part of the show from here on out. That, yeah, Shinji's scream is like the most notable sound in the entire thing. And it's very effective and and upsetting here. And it just, this, you know, the dub makes that, it's a whole different flavor, um, which is going to make it difficult, you know, to take certain things seriously. And yeah, at this point, you kind of need to be in a certain frame of mind. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Let's... Well, thanks. And I'll uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. I, I we want to see you again. Bye.